0: Evening to people at home. My privilege tonight is to read God's word for you and also to spend some time opening it, teaching it, examining it together. So, if you would like to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, it's where we find ourselves in this series, working through Matthew. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. We're into the third and last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, where the Lord Jesus is going to begin drawing to conclusions some of the truths that he has been outlining. In chapters 5 and 6, he's very concerned to emphasize to his followers of how they are to live, um, in contrast to the Pharisees who are very much into rules and regulations and externals and Jesus was very much into the internal, to the sincere and to the reality of knowing God and knowing God having an, an overflow into how we treat other people and in this passage the Lord Jesus is certainly focusing upon our relationships with others. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with a measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy or what is sacred to dogs, and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample you under their feet, and they may turn and tear you to pieces this is the words of the lord jesus to us his disciples let's pray together heavenly father thank you for your opportunity tonight for this word and we pray that you would speak to us lord jesus by your spirit through this passage truth into our lives that our lives might align themselves as followers of you help us to do that passionately strongly devotedly. Speak to us Lord, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. I forgot the control button, can you bring that over, please? Thank you. Give a nice thank you to Rhonda, please, everybody. Thank up. Do not judge. We all do it, don't we? We all judge uh, when we shouldn't, we say things that we shouldn't, and we may sometimes forget we even think things that we shouldn't and that God is the audience to it all, and sometimes so are other people. So In this passage, the Lord Jesus says very clearly, do not judge or you too will be judged. What did the Lord Jesus mean when he said that? This has now become, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1, probably the most quoted verse from the New Testament in this century. More so than John 3.16. I wonder if you've heard it said to you, that when you confront somebody else, or when you criticise somebody else, or when you judge somebody else, or when you try to lovingly correct somebody else, they will say, stop judging me. You shall not judge. And it gets quoted all the time. What did Jesus mean when he said, You shall not judge? Well, certainly, people in our world, and even some people who say they follow the Lord Jesus, they say it means that we are to make no evaluation whatsoever of anyone else. We are to be non judgmental of all people, of all behaviours. Never say anything critical based upon what someone has done or what somebody has said. Or even of what they perhaps believe and teach should never express our opinion we are to be tolerant accepting at peace with everybody and everything and in unity there's to be no assessment no evaluation no analysis no critiquing of others views don't discern don't think critically that's what they think this is what Jesus means which means, of course, then we are to be indifferent to evil, toler- tolerating falsehood. Um, and the statement is often asserted that no one is qualified to comment on somebody else's actions anyway. So, therefore, all judging is forbidden. Um, and it's not alone, this is not the only place. There are other passages in the scripture where the Lord Jesus talks about, or the scriptures talk about, that we are not to judge. In Romans chapter 2, in verses 1 to 3, the Apostle Paul says, you therefore have no excuse you who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge another you can name yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth so when you a mere human being pass judgment on them and yet do the same things do you think that you'll escape God's judgment similar theme to what Jesus was saying it's not alone there's quite a few of these This is Romans chapter 14, the Apostle Paul again, in a chapter that's talking about uh, having different views about non-essentials, whether you should eat meat or be a vegetarian, whether you should have this day as a Sabbath or not as a Sabbath. The Apostle Paul writes, the one who eats anything must not treat with contempt the one who does not and the one who does not uh, eat anything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall? And they will stand For the Lord is able to make them stand. Same chapter, verse 10, Paul says, you then why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Paul says, therefore let us stop passing judgment on one another, instead make up your mind not to put a stumbling block or an obstacle in the way of a brother or a sister. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, is one of my favourites, Paul says to the Corinthians, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court, indeed I don't even judge myself, my conscience is clear but that doesn't make me innocent, it's the Lord who judges me, therefore judge nothing before the appointed time, wait until the Lord comes, he will bring it to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart, at that time each will receive their praise from God. And I think finally, James, brothers and sisters, don't slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or a sister or judges them, speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but you're sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who was able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbour? So there's an emphasis of the New Testament about not judging... Not judging others, not um, looking down on them, not slandering them, not speaking badly of them, is that what Jesus meant? No. Um, If that's what the Lord Jesus meant then certainly Elijah would be in trouble in 1 Kings 18 where he was judging the 400 prophets Baal and they ended up being killed. the Apostle Paul judges Galatians chapter 1 against the Judaizers and says some pretty straight blunt things to them but even in this passage in Matthew chapter 7, which I've taken off there now, um, the Lord Jesus even makes judgments, in verse 6 he talks about, and he's talking about people but he calls them dogs and pigs, it's not very nice is it? Or even down to verse 15 chapter 7 of Matthew, he says about discerning false prophets and false teachers, you have to analyze, you have to evaluate so, what does Jesus mean when he says to his disciples, do not judge? There are scriptures, in fact, that advocate judging. Very clearly, John 7 24, the Lord Jesus is speaking, and he says, stop judging by mere appearances, but ju- instead judge correctly. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Get the facts. Or 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 3, Paul writing to a church in conflict and in a situation of uh, sexual immorality and the church being tolerant and indifferent to it, Paul writes and says to them, for my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit, as one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of the Lord Jesus on the one who is doing this. It's not his own personal opinion but he's holding another person who names the name of Christ accountable against God's standard, God's word, that's what he's doing, judging correctly. Or the same chapter, What what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? That's an interesting verse. We have no business judging those outside the church. Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. And Paul's direction, expel the wicked person from among you. If he doesn't repent if he doesn't change remove him from your midst that's a judgment it's not a condemnation but it is an evaluation a critiquing and a calling to an account 1 Corinthians chapter 6 but do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world in the future when the Lord returns and if you're to judge the world are you not competent to judge trivial cases I say this to shame you is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers oh finally matthew 18 15 the lord jesus says if your brother or sister sins go and point out their fault just between the two of you if they listen to you you have won them over so what does the balance of this mean jesus says do not Judge. What does he mean? Well, he certainly most definitely does not mean that we are not to be evaluating or discerning or using scripture to hold each other to account. That's judging correctly. What he is opposed to is judging by mere appearances, of just being judgmental, of being supercritical, negative. One commentator describes it as it's not so much about critiquing somebody but it's about condemning somebody but you're not motivated to help them you're rather motivated to run them down to judge them to harm them to bring them into some sort of disrepute Um, the lord jesus says do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way that you judge others you will be judged the measure you use Will be measured to you. Principle, don't go around condemning and harshly criticizing and being negative of people. When you see someone do something wrong, assume the best, not the worst. This is a a habit and a skill that we have to acquire and to develop in our lives because it's very easy to be critical, just for me and I assume I'm not alone, even driving here tonight. There was a guy who was incredibly slow in front of us, wasn't he, Sweater? Yes, condemn him, yes, he was slow. (coughs) Ridiculously, dangerously slow. And um, so then we came off a loop and we get onto the uh, gateway. And so then it's supposed to be a speed of 100. He was doing 80. I was patient, godly, upright. Wasn't I, Sweater? Silence woman. Um, I was reasonably patient and then he started to speed up and then I wanted to pass on the inside lane because he was still going far too slow and suddenly there was a car beside me so I had to wait. and then that car went and then he decides, puts his blinker on, does the right thing he's going to move into the middle lane well, that's correct, you should do that but he moved into the middle lane like this (laughs) and Rhonda said That was a bit slow, wasn't it? (laughs) To which I said, that was deliberate. (laughs) She said, was it? Yeah, of course it was, wasn't it? Put up your hand if you think it was deliberate, (laughs) wusses. (laughs) Put up your hand if you don't think it was deliberate, hands down. Do I know if it was deliberate? I do not know. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why he was moving. So he or she, I think it was a he, doesn't matter. I don't have all the information, so it's not my right to be critical of him. I can certainly evaluate and say, that was far too slow, dangerously slow, but I don't know why. So my statement, oh, that was deliberate. You've heard the old saying, when you point a finger at somebody, you've got three pointing back at you. Why would I go to the conclusion that was deliberate? Because that's what I would do. The very thing he did, potentially wrong, is what I have done. And many of you, I would guess. Maybe not all. I've told you before and I can't, I am trying to correct this but I just, my carnal nature takes over. If someone comes right up to me and they're right behind me and on my tail, I cannot I can but I choose not to slow down, it's a terrible thing to do, I acknowledge that but it does give me such pleasure, (laughs) see that's the problem, we're fallen broken creatures and I condemn them for being too slow but sometimes I'm too slow, the very thing I judge them for, I'm doing it and so whenever I judge somebody else it's like a mirror that I get to look at myself and say or at least ask the question, is that true of me? That's what Jesus is saying, don't judge or you will be judged, both by God but also by people and then he says in the same way, here's a biblical principle, in the same way that you judge others you will be judged, what goes round comes round. The way you judge people is how people will treat and judge you, but so will God. In the book of Judges chapter 1 there is a guy, a king called Adonai Bezek, And he gets captured by the Israelites as they invade the country of Canaan. And when they capture him, they cut off his thumbs and they cut off his big toes. And you think, woo, that's a bit cruel. Well, they're disarming him and humbling him so he can't hold a sword and he can't balance and and so on. And then a little bit later on, a few verses later, he actually confesses, says, this is fair and just that I lose my thumbs and my toes. For I have also cut off the toes, thumbs and toes of 70 other kings. What he did, was done to him. It's a principle of how God operates in the world. He will hold us to account and work his purposes out. Or in Esther, there is a guy, a bad guy called Haman. And Haman builds the gallows and he wants to wipe out the Jews and so on and kill this other guy, Mordecai. and, And it ends up that the very gallows he built to kill Mordecai are the gallows that he gets hung on. The way that he was judging and was going to condemn somebody else is exactly what happened to him. And there are um, other biblical examples of exactly that sort of thing. The measure you use to judge others, the standard you have, when you criticise and condemn and hurt others, God remembers everything. And when God judges us, he'll judge us not just by his own standards, but he'll judge us by our standards. So Jesus warns us very carefully, do not judge, deal with this bad habit that we have in our lives, assume the best. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 um, verse 7 talks about what love is like and it's, love believes all things, love hopes all things and it's, love assumes the best. When somebody does something to you and it's not nice or whatever, assume the best not the worst of what is motivating them i didn't do that with that driver who was moving across slowly i didn't assume the best i went straight to you know analyzing and and judging the very thing jesus says we are not to do maybe that was an angel driving that car you know and so that was for the purpose of tonight god teaching me no angels don't drive cars Um, Jesus goes on to say, he asks two questions, why and how? Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? What do you see? You notice these little things, these little faults in other people's lives and you look at it, you scrutinize it, you go looking for it. Why do you do that? And you pay no attention to the plank that's in your own eye. The speck and the plank... It's like a little splinter of the tree and like a large log, a large telephone pole or, you know, a load-bearing beam or something. It's something huge. And it's Jesus' sense of humour in some ways. If he's saying, you've got this great big log coming out of your own eye and with your other eye, you're focusing upon this little splinter in somebody else. Now, note this, the splinter and the large log are made from the same substance, the same thing. What I notice wrong in you, I've got in me. That's the point Jesus is making. Why do you look at the little faults in other people when you've got the same fault only to a bigger degree? And then he says, and how can you say to your brother, what's the audacity of this? Let me take this speck out of your own eye when all the time there is a plank in your own. Imagine trying to get a splinter out of somebody and they've got a big eye, a log in their eye. You know, it's like, oops, boom, sorry, hit you with my log. <laughs> Let me just get that splinter out. You can't see properly anyway, and you'll do damage and hurt. This is what Jesus is teaching, and I think with a sense of humour. Um, <clears throat> the Lord Jesus goes on to tell us that what we need to do, there is a solution to all of this. Before I get to that, what lies behind this condemning, judging others? It's certainly our sinful nature, and it's the world we live in. There are members of my family, they're not Christians, but they are reasonably quiet people, but when they get on to gossiping about what's going on in town, when they get on to the negative harsh criticisms of people and running them down, man they come alive, they really engage, because this stimulates them. What, what is it about us then? Well it could be there's a sense of self-righteousness, a, a, a sense of we feel superior to or we actually think we're elevating ourselves by critiquing somebody else maybe that's what's behind it certainly positive criticism is very beneficial it's constructive and it, we can appreciate it but this hypercriticism is just simply destructive some people by their the bent of their sinful nature delight in finding fault of putting down of focusing on the negative some people are really pleased when they hear something negative or unpleasant about another person that actually they feel good about that because it elevates them in their own thinking and feeling. I wonder if that happens for you. This is the very issue Jesus is talking about in us as disciples. Well, what's the solution? The Lord Jesus says, well, firstly, take the log out of your own eye, um, remove it and when you remove it then you'll be able to see more clearly. How do you remove it? Become aware of it, confess it. In Psalm 51 David talks about being overcome with his own, this particular sin that he was caught in, in fact <clears throat> that might not be a bad illustration of this whole passage anyway. Uh, David was the king and he was a wealthy man and he had several wives, at least half a dozen Um, and he ends up with one of his generals, Uriah and he only has one wife, Bathsheba and somehow David is attracted to Bathsheba and he commits adultery with her and it's all covered up and then David arranges the murder of Uriah and it's a mess and if you read through Psalm 32 and other, there's another passage uh, where David just sort of is shriveling up, physically, mentally, spiritually. And then Nathan the prophet comes to him and says, David, I've got a story for you. There was a man, a farmer, he was a very wealthy farmer, he had lots of flocks and he had a neighbour, he was uh, just a poor man and he only had one little uh, lamb, it was his favourite, it was his pet. And the rich farmer had somebody come and stay with him And so the farmer, instead of taking one of his own flock, of which we had multitude, decided to take the pet of his neighbour and barbecued it for the meal, for the person. When David heard this, he was outraged, he was furious and he says, the person who did that should die. Which is above and beyond what the law says, the law would say that you had to repay it fourfold. But David was livid and Nathan said, it's you, that's exactly what you did. Interesting, isn't it? David's emotional response to that story exposes himself. That's what his attitude should have been towards what he did and that's what God will do in our lives, he'll slowly reveal it to us and what's the cure? Psalm 51, creating me a clean heart, O God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Then, then, having repented, having confessed, having put this thing out of your life, the plank out of your life, then I will teach sinners your way and then people will be converted to you. They won't listen until we remove the plank. That's what Jesus says. What do we do? First remove the plank, then you will see clearly. You'll see more clearly the fault in the other person, you will see God more clearly in what he's doing in the situation and you'll see yourself more clearly in terms of the faults that you have. And then you can actually come and remove the speck. Please notice that Jesus says that we are to remove the speck from our brother's eye. There is a place to notice there's something wrong, there's a fault and I need to be of an assistance to my brother or sister in Christ to help them remove this fault from their life. But before I engage in that, I better examine myself, is that in me? And if it's in me, then I need to remove it from my life, confess it, forsake it, put it right, and then, more gently, more graciously, speak to your brother or sister about the fault that they have. Then the Lord Jesus goes on to give what many commentators do somersaults about and don't think it's connected. But I join uh, a few commentators who say, no, no, this is directly connected. Firstly, Jesus has been talking about first one to five about our relationships with one another. He talks about brothers and how we should treat and relate in the kingdom of God. And now he's going to talk about relationships with other people who are outside the kingdom, which he calls dogs and pigs. And the Lord Jesus says... To the disciples do not give dogs what is sacred holy and don't throw your pearls to the pigs if you do they'll respond react adversely they'll trample the pearls under their feet or they'll turn and bite you they'll tear you to pieces don't give to dogs what is sacred Jesus is not talking about nice little cute pet dogs that sit on your lap and stroke them not the family dog he's not talking about those sorts of he's talking about the street dogs the wild animals who roam the streets of the ancient world, and who eats anything, often eats rotten meats, and when they eat the rotten meat, then they'll vomit it up, and then as the scripture says, they return and then eat the vomit, yuck. It's a revolting image. And Jesus is saying, don't give what is sacred, what is holy, to those dogs. And what he means, I think he means, it's a metaphor for him saying, you have to be discerning on where people are at. Are people going to be responding to the Gospel and to the truth, the holy thing that you're wanting to share, the pearl of great price and so on? You have to be discerning if they are ready to receive it because if they're not, they'll simply respond very adversely, trample it underfoot, have no regard for it and they'll attack you. So don't push truth onto those outside the Kingdom particularly, notice when they are receptive or when they're closed and don't push yes we are to be urgent in season and out of season and to take every opportunity we have to present the truth of the gospel yes but sometimes what that means is our urgency will be driving us to prayer not to speaking and asking God to change their hearts to open the door to prepare the way for them because there are people who have no desire to change they have no desire to give up their sin or to overcome it they want to persist in like pigs rolling in mud they want to persist in indulging themselves in all the pleasures of this life and of this world well don't judge them you don't condemn them but you pray for them that's i think how the passage fits together well so what what does all this mean for us what does mean jesus mean when he says don't judge, don't be harshly critical and mean in your comments to other people. Maintain a right heart attitude towards people made in the image of God who needs forgiveness. Jesus is more concerned about what's going inside of us than what's going on around us. So Jesus gives warning in this passage about don't be judgmental, don't be hypocritical, Don't spend time looking at faults in others and not look at yourself. You know what to do, remove that first, confess it, remove it and then you'll be able to be used by God and you'll have a testimony. What God did in my life, I know God can do in your life. I had a log in my life and you've just got a little speck. God can minister to you. Well, we all judge when we shouldn't, we all say things that we shouldn't, so listen up this one is for us and how do we know what to do when somebody we hear somebody judging somebody else criticizing them what should we do well ask them how do you know that why are you telling me have you spoken to the person about that they are hard confrontive questions they can make us uncomfortable but they're absolutely essential. It's important for us to hold each other accountable to what Jesus expects of us and to help one another to maintain those standards. We're not perfect, we're a long way from it. We have far more faults and issues in our lives than we are even aware of but other people may see it in us and if they speak The truth in love into our lives and it's an opportunity for us to grow through it and out of it. There are still some verses I want to give you but before I do that let me share this. This passage certainly reminds us that what we do in this life will echo in eternity, will have an implication in eternity. The measure we use is the measure God will use in this life and the next. So, what goes around, comes around. So, like Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, forgive, Lord forgive me as I have forgiven others. As I forgive others, then I can receive forgiveness. Be merciful and I will receive mercy. But if I am not forgiving, then I won't be forgiven. And if I don't, if I'm not merciful, then I won't receive mercy. So... When you want to point the finger at somebody else Jesus is saying pay attention to the other three fingers first look at yourself first deal with that and then be very sensitive notice whether people are open or receptive or closed to what's going on this passage also implies this and then I'm nearly done all sins are not equal in the eyes of God I know it's commonly taught but it's missed I think incorrectly that all sins are the same they're not even this passage implies that by having a log and by having a speck there are differences all sins are serious all sins deserve God's judgment certainly but not all sins are equal John chapter 19 verse 11 Jesus talks about he those who delivered me up to you Pilate have the greater sin the greater sin not all sins are equal well what do we do look at these scriptures the Lord Jesus says, "John chapter 7, verse 24, "Stop judging by mere appearances." This is my paraphrase, or hearsay or by assumptions, but instead, judge correctly and carefully." The Lord Jesus is not saying, "Don't judge." What he's saying is, "Don't judge hypocritically. Don't judge unfairly or incorrectly. Judge biblically." John 7:51. The Lord Jesus says, uh, no, sorry, one of the Sanhedrin members says, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? That's what we have to do. When you hear about somebody else who tells you about somebody else, go and find out for yourself, do your research. Jack Deere once made this comment at a conference. He said that 80% of what we believe, we believe because somebody told it to us. We don't believe it because we've done our own research. 80% of what we believe, we believe because somebody else has told us. Do you think that's true? I think that's true. How do I know that's true? Well, he told me. (laughs) I haven't done the research. Look at this. We'll finish with this. If you hear it said about one of your towns, the Lord your God is giving you to live in. If you hear something, what are you to do? Verse 14... Then you must inquire probe and investigate it thoroughly if it's true and it's been proved that this detestable thing has been done amongst you then there is a way for you to act but the point I want you to get is this if you hear something don't just believe it and particularly if it's in the negative if it's a judgment if it's a criticism of another brother or sister then don't accept it first inquire probe and investigate it how do you know that Have you spoken to them? Why are you telling me? And please, oh, I should add this. If somebody tells you something, if person A tells you something about person B, don't you go and tell person B what person A said. Don't do that. That's not helpful. Say to person A, have you spoken to B? No, well, you go and do that. You speak to person B. I'll give you a week. I'll give you two weeks. Give you a time frame. Then I'm coming back and I'm going to ask you, have you spoken to them? And if you're not going to speak to them, don't mention it to anybody else. It's tough, and it? It's hard to do. That's what we need to do. I said I was going to finish. I'll finish with this story. I've probably told you this before. I'm getting too old and forgetful. A lady came to a church doesn't matter which church and when she was in the church for a very few weeks her habit was to be critical and to run around and to be spreading gossip and so on and in this new church that she was in she went up to one person and she said blah 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 did you hear about this and that person went stop we don't talk about one another like that here hmm so she went off to another person did you hear about somebody such and such?" So? stop we don't talk about one another like that around here hmm She went to five different people and then she walked out the door and left the church. That wasn't the sort of a church that she could be part of, to which we would say, Amen, Hallelujah. (laughs) Jesus loves you, Jesus cares about you, but stop that behaviour. And if you want to continue with that behaviour, you are not welcome here. It's pretty clear, it's pretty hard to do. But that's what Jesus is saying for us to do don't judge, hold each other accountable, and help one another. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this teaching. It's tough, Lord, because it confronts all of us. It certainly confronts me, but it confronts, holds all of us to account. I pray, Lord, that you might help us to be fully obedient to it, to not be judgmental, but to be helpful. To engage far more in self examination rather than in probing examinations of others. I pray that you would help us to walk in the light and to hold each other accountable to that end. That, Lord, is how you require us to demonstrate our love and our care for each other and our commitment to community. Lord Jesus, may your will be done. Amen.